Thank you for tuning into this sermon from New Life Student Ministries. Our goal is to inspire, equip, and support our students and families with biblically rich and God-centered teaching. These messages are meant to be supplemental and not substitutional for our weekly gathering. We hope this sermon is a blessing to you and your spiritual walk. more people than chairs in here. Woo, thanks Taylor. Hi guys, how are we doing? Whoa, school started, woo. I will give you a funny story about my tithe experience. I ended up tithing once a month for a while, but I also set up two reoccurring tithes. So I was giving three times a month for like eight months. And I caught it and it was like, it was a lot of money. I was like, oh my goodness. <laughs> and you just, you can't get tithe back. So it was just a rough, it was a rough realization in my life. Um, but today we are gonna be talking about um, a story in Acts and our God statement is, God is sovereign. And I want you guys to turn to your neighbor, one neighbor or the other, and explain what you think the definition of sovereign is. I'll give you guys like 30 seconds. of you guys said, can some of you share what your neighbor or you said about the definition of sovereign? Yes, Chase. Will said overall. Anyone else? Yes. The highest power. Other Chase? Provident. Is there another one? Yes. Did you want to say anything? Julia? No? Okay, cool. <laughs> Julia's like, do not ever talk to me. Um, yes. Holy, wow, these are great. Anyone else? You can write your neighbor out if you want to. Oh my gosh, you guys are throwing your friends under the bus. Okay, I'll just give you a definition and this is a definition like in the Christian, with the Christian view. Like sovereign is, God is going to use any and everything for his glory and our good. And it's not the other way around for our good, then his glory. It's gonna be first God's glory and then our good. Does that make sense? Great, no one said anything. <laughs> Thank you, thanks Joey. Okay, cool, I, guys, this is like a heavy message. It's a hard one. This is, we're gonna talk about the stoning of Stephen. He was the first Christian martyr. So I'll give you a little bit of a backstory. So I need you guys to like really hone in and pay attention because I feel like everything I say at the beginning will really help inform everything else that I say at the end, cool? Great, great, three cools, okay, cool. Um, so first, Stephen was a nobody, think like, no Instagram followers, no, he was not TikTok famous. Stephen was someone who the apostles chose to be a server. And the reason the apostles chose, or the disciples chose Stephen to be this server is because they, the disciples were like, we need to have someone do this work, like the grunge work, so that we could do, we could speak the gospel, we could preach the gospel. And so they were like, we can't be feeding the widows and the orphans, we need some people to do that. But they chose people who were holy, people, not holy, but they had the Holy Spirit in them, people who were powerful, 
because they had the spirit working through them and people that were gracious. And it says that Stephen was gracious. It said that Stephen was filled with the Holy Spirit. And what happened then was not he instantly became TikTok famous or he had like a million followers. It was Stephen still did the grunge work. He was waiting tables, the widows and the orphans. He was allowing the disciples to preach the good news. So I want you guys to hear this. Hear this thought because you're in those positions as like, We're working, we're waiters, we're servers, we're hostesses, we're in high school, we're going to school, we're among people that are not believers, like we're doing that grunge work right now. I know that a lot of you guys are, feel like you're the only ones in school who know the Lord and a lot of people around you don't and that's a hard place to be. That's exactly where the disciples were and that's exactly where Stephen was. So Stephen, who was filled with the Holy Spirit, was preaching the gospel. And people caught wind of this, and officials brought him to this council, um, the Council of the Sanhedrins, really cool name, and they were like, he's speaking blasphemous things against the law of Moses. Now, the law of Moses was what the commandments of God gave Moses and how they were living before Jesus came. But in their mindset, Jesus hadn't come yet, so they were still living within that law, And then um, now that Jesus came, Stephen was sharing that good news because the law of Moses, all those prophecies had been fulfilled in the law. You did not have to um, abide by the law because we abided in grace. And grace is where we get to live today. And we get to know the law, but we also get to live in grace. And so as he is He's getting called out saying, you got, you're speaking blasphemous things against the law of Moses and the Sanhedrins are like, is this true? And Stephen, he doesn't answer them yes or no. Stephen steps in and he starts speaking all of like, he starts declaring these um, historical events that happened one after the other, starting with Moses and the law and then how people started to um, build calves and idols because they didn't believe that God was there anymore with them. And then it talked about Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and then Jacob's son, Joseph, and how everything with him that was unjust happened. And it was all of these series of events that happened, one after the other, that all pointed to Jesus. But what he was saying was he, he, literally, he calls them stiff-necked people, which is like a slap in the face, like, you fools, do you not see that Jesus has come, that he has fulfilled the law, and that we get to live in grace. The Holy Spirit is here. And we're gonna pick up, if you guys wanna open your Bibles, the Bible, the book, um, to the book of Acts. We're gonna talk through Acts 7, 54, through Acts 8, 1 through 3. I'll give you guys a second to open there. And actually, I, I wanna read this so you guys could close your eyes. Opening your Bible is helpful because now you know where it is, but I want you guys to close your eyes and I'm gonna read this over you. And I want you to picture this man who's a nobody, but he's standing in front of the Sanhedrins with the council, these, these men who are held to the highest esteem. And he is declaring the truth of Jesus Christ, but they get angry. And so it starts off by saying on, in verse 54, now when they heard these things, they were enraged and they ground their teeth at him. But he, who is Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God. And Jesus standing at the right hand of God, and Jesus standing at the right hand of God, and he said, behold, I see the heavens open 
and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together at him. And they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at their feet of a young man named Saul. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. And Saul approved of his execution. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea, Samaria, except the apostles, devout, devout men, buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. But Saul was ravaging the church and entering the house after house, they dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Jesus, Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we thank you that you are in this room. God, that you are sovereign over everything. I pray today for myself, my brothers and my sisters in this room, God, that we, that this word would not fall on deaf ears, that we would hear this and it would transform the way we see you, the way you love us, the way we see you in all of our circumstances, good or bad. God, I ask that you would captivate our hearts today. Focus our eyes on you, our ears on you, our hearts on you. Lord, I pray for complete and utter surrender. Even right now, whatever space they're in, Lord Jesus, would you calm the souls in this room? And will we be a people running passionately towards you, God, as you passionately run towards us? So Holy Spirit, come and do what only you can do. In your name, amen. All right, so... We talked about this, um, Stephen, and I want to go back. If you go back to the first slide of Scripture, we're going to talk this through a little bit. Where we have Stephen who gave, before I started reading, he gave this whole account of history. And the only way that Stephen would have known that, he didn't have like time during the time he was waiting tables and the time that he was before the council preaching all of this news. Like this came from Stephen, a man who had abided in the secret place. And when we say the secret place, this is like when we're at home in our closets, in our rooms, when we're in our cars, when we're worshiping, we're praying to the Lord, we're asking God to reveal himself, we're being transformed by the Holy Spirit. Like the secret place is a place no one else knows about but you and God. Those conversations that you and the Lord have. And I remember being in high school and middle school and praying and it was like, I have shared this before, like praying to a brick wall and it's hard in that secret place where we can see it's so glorified, but really it's just this raw and intimate space where it's you and God completely, completely undone by his presence. And you get to experience his presence. Like when we experience his presence in worship, it's an incredible feeling and you can feel that too and experience the Lord in that secret place. And that's where Stephen was before this. And there was, he, he was chosen to be a servant because he had abided in that secret place. Now, I want to say the first point is God is sovereign over the secret place. And by that, what I mean is God uses all things for his glory and our good, and it starts in the secret place. And we see this as it's saying, 
Um, he, he knew God, he was full of the Holy Spirit. And I can show you guys back to the story of Joseph. If you go um, into Exodus 37, where Joseph, if you don't know the story, he was one of 12 and he was the youngest son and he was highly favored by his father. His father clothed him in this beautiful robe and his brothers were jealous. He had a gift of interpreting dreams and his brothers were like, who even are you? You're like nothing. It's like your little sibling. You're like, you have nothing to offer to this world. <laughs> and what happened was Joseph was like, he was sold into slavery, which was, it's awful. But his brothers were straight up so jealous that they were like, here you go, like thrown into a pit and then sold into slavery. And he rode off on a camel's back on into Egypt where he was thrown into prison. And now, that doesn't ever happen here, but I want you guys to like imagine being completely betrayed by your family, thrown out, and then put into prison and you did nothing. You were in fact obedient and you were a good brother and a good son, and you were loved and highly favored because of who you were and who the Lord was in you. Now, a lot of us could feel this way in school, like we have no one here and we've been thrown out because we're believers, but Really, Joseph was thrown aside, and it's cool because he was then, Pharaoh was having these dreams, and he's like, I need someone to interpret this, and Stephen was, or not Stephen, Joseph was able, able to interpret these dreams. And as time went on, he gained a lot of trust by Pharaoh, and then he was like seated at his right hand. So he had authority, he had power, and he interpreted this dream, which was like, hey, we need to store away a lot of food so that when a famine comes, we have food for the next however many like seasons, and that did happen. The famine came and they had enough food, but all the people around them, around Egypt, didn't have food. And among some of the people that came into Egypt asking for food were his brothers, and his brothers didn't recognize him. And they came a couple times, and Joseph knew exactly who they were, but instead of saying, no, you don't get any food, you don't get any shelter, you don't get anything, he invited them into Egypt, and he gave them a place to stay, and he gave them food to eat. And what this is, is after Joseph, like there were the Israelites, like that was the tribe, the Israelites, and then they escaped Egypt. And then out of that lineage comes Jesus. But that was a, like a prophetic story that was gonna happen and it played out. And then out of that lineage, Jesus came. And so what we see here is God used the story of Joseph, something so terrible and unimaginable. And he used that for God's glory and for our good. Now Joseph probably wasn't like, this is awesome, I love this, it's so great, you abandoned me and throw me in a pit. But it was like, God, I know that you are sovereign and you will use this. And so he was obedient and he was faithful. And I want this to encourage you guys, really. Like it's, it's a hard message because this guy was a martyr. He was murdered for his beliefs, beliefs? his belief, yeah. Um, but he, in, in being murdered, the spread of Christianity was like a wildfire. And so we're gonna to move to the second point where God is sovereign over the suffering. And this one's a hard one because we see Stephen, it says on the second side, then they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. So really it was like when they laid their garments down, Saul, who later would be Paul, was like, they were like, hold my hoops, I'm going to stone this boy. And so then, okay, and when I say Stephen was stoned, I don't mean he was smoking the mare juju. I mean, Stephen was stoned, rocks were thrown at him. The whole process of being stoned 
was insane. So they took him out of the council. And what you do, guys, bear with me. This is like, ugh, cringe. So they like, you, you push them over onto their face. And if they die, awesome. If not, you roll them over. And then you drop a stone on their heart. And if they die, awesome. If not, now everyone grabs stones and they start pelting him. So this is what's happening to Stephen. And for me, I'm like, I'm like getting so livid just even reading this. Like, are you joking me? People think that this is a great way to kill people. Okay. And Stephen, Stephen is there. He's not saying, stop, stop, stop. Don't do this. He is, he's literally looking up into heaven and he's saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And then it says, he says, do not hold this sin against them. And you know what this reminds me of is when Jesus was on the cross and, and he is getting crucified and he says, God, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. And Stephen's not sitting here like you terrible people are going to hell for what you're doing. He's saying, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. We see a, a merciful heart in Stephen a forgiving heart, a gentle heart, as stones are getting thrown at him. And so one thing is, it, it challenged me because it's like, okay, Catherine, what is your response when people wrong you? I'm not, I've never been like stoned. You could take it either way, I've never been stoned. But it's like, I've ne- like, this has never happened to me, but I've been wronged before. But how have I reacted? Did I react in anger? Did I react in bitterness? Did I react in wanting to just hurt them back? Or were you gracious and merciful and kind? And so we see how God is sovereign over the suffering because he used the stoning of Stephen for his glory and our good. And I mean that, and we can see that even throughout history where, okay, so the other day I went to my mom's house. My mom is this like cute little, she's a Russian lady, but she was born in Australia. So she speaks Russian with an Australian accent. She's this petite little woman and she's so cute with like this big smile and I love her. And I was like, mom, will you share me, share some stories with me about when you were in missions? Cause she went through YWAM and she, because she spoke Russian and English, she went over to Russia to be an English translator. And now we, there's like a parallel here where we have my mom going to Russia, but we also have, if you've ever read in your history books, Ronald Reagan and Gorbachev getting together, their wills aligning, and we have the Berlin Wall coming down and the Iron Curtain getting removed. Now the Iron Curtain and this, it was to oppress people in Russia and in Germany. And this oppression was like, it was saying like, you have to think one way, you have to speak one language, you listen to one radio station, watch one thing on TV, like your church is regulated, you can only say this, this, and this. So really it was like, you're literally like cookie cutters. Like I've never, I don't know if you've seen Clone Wars, Star Wars, how they have all these clones. I know, I'm, I've been, Carson and I have been watching Star Wars and I'm like, wow, this reminds me of the Bible or wow, I, I totally see this, God, thank you so much. Like it's, just go watch Star Wars. Um, but this is like where Obi-Wan Kenobi goes to, I forgot whatever planet it was where they're like making all these clones and these long neck people are like, we're making millions more. Camino, Camino, my apologies. I'll get it next time. <laughs> um, we have Pastor Tim and Pastor Victor having the most intense conversation today about Star Wars trivia. There, it almost caused uh, a firing. Victor almost got fired today. Just kidding. 
It may have been the most intense argument he's ever been in. <laughs> but the whole point of that is like there were clones. And that's how Russia was trying to make their people, was like, you must be one way. And then once the Berlin Wall came down and the Iron um, Curtain fell, there was like this an eruption of joy, an eruption of Christianity, an eruption of hope. And my mom, three months after that happened, it was November 1989, she was, that's when, all of this oppression stopped for a little bit. My mom got to go there a couple months later and she paused and she looked at me as she's like rattling off all these things of like what she saw, what she heard, all the mission trips she's been on. But she paused for a second and she looks at me with tears in her eyes and she says, Catherine, it was the most beautiful thing ever. Seeing people dancing in the streets, praising the name of Jesus where once one day they were not allowed to even say the name of Jesus in public. To the next day, the very next day, they are in the streets singing joyfully, like proclaiming the name of Jesus. And it's almost like you can take, it's like a picture of you could take a Coke bottle and you can shake it up, but what it is, like the lid stays on and that was like the oppression. That's like Christian oppression. And people think they're squashing that, like you, like, if we squash it enough, if we silence it enough, it'll like snuff out like a fire and no one will ever know it was there. But what God does is he unscrews the cap and it literally explodes. And we see this at the end when it's talking in um, chapter eight about how um, it says, and there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they all were scattered throughout the regions of Judea, Samaria. And that was the whole point of, like we see in Acts, like the whole point of this series is how the disciples, the apostles are charged with one um, mission. And it says in verse one, or chapter one, verse eight, but you will receive the power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so we see how God takes this event, the stoning of Stephen, and it's, once, it's one event. One man was martyred for believing in Christ. And then, so that was Jerusalem, and that was where the church was thriving in chapters one through seven. The church is thriving, and all of a sudden there's a murder, a martyr. And then all of a sudden the Christians are scattered everywhere to Judea and Samaria. And then the next layer is to the ends of the earth. And we can see that through the suffering of Stephen, Christians scatter. And now they're probably like, we have no place to stay. We have nowhere to go, no people to turn to. But you, like, you see them and they're not saying, wow, my life is terrible. They're using this circumstance as they're spread to Judea and Samaria to spread the good news. And another story that my mom was sharing she is like so cute. She, she loves talking about her family. And it's kind of like the Hispanic culture where like family is everything. That's like the Russian culture. Family is everything to them. They stay close. They invite everyone in. They have all the meals together. Like my grandma and grandpa, we call them babushka and dedushka. They passed away. They're so precious. Um, but my mom was talking about her great-great-grandparents and how they were in Russia, but they had, because they were wealthy, um, they were like kicked out of Russia because I actually don't know why, but what happened was they had to like bury all of their wealth, all of everything that they couldn't carry on their backs in the ground. And they 
by foot and by horse walked all the way to Kazakhstan. And my mom says that's like a three-day trip by um, car, but it's like a, like a three-month trip by foot. And what happened was she's like, my great-grandparents, they, they weren't like moping along the way. She's like, they were spreading the gospel as they were walking. So they started out with just this tiny little Christian community as they're walking from one home to who knows where. And then as their word started spreading, like believers started coming to God and it was people who had nothing, literally nothing. Like imagine your house burning down, all of your stuff is gone and all you have is the clothes on your back and you don't know where you're going and you can't go home because home is gone. And she was like, they took that joy of the Lord and it was infectious. And now from Kazakhstan, she goes, then her parents were born, they were really young, and they moved to China because there was so much Christian oppression there. And they started China, she said, is one of like the uh, fastest growing underground churches. And that's where my grandparents met. And then they had to migrate to Australia because of there was all this persecution in the underground churches. And that's where my mom was born. And it's just a really cool story to share, but she's like so joyful and giddy. But the thing is like, that story is a hard story. I, I couldn't imagine like, like you have, you, you go from like being so wealthy. Oh, that's what he was. He, he trained horses and he sold them to the king's army, which I think is like super cool. But it's, it's just like such a hard concept to grasp. We lose everything, we have to move. And their one mission they realized was to share the gospel, just like the Christians that were in Jerusalem. And so we go to this last point where where we see God is sovereign over our surrender. And this is true, and I see this in the story, because Stephen lived his life the, way, the same way he died, in complete surrender to the Lord. He wasn't in complete surrender once he had arrived, once he had a wife, or once he had kids, or once he was famous. Like He lived in complete surrender because he had been transformed by the Holy Spirit and there was something different about him. And that's what the disciples saw. And he was faithful in that place of doing like the, the grunge work. And he was faithful when he was getting murdered, when he was getting martyred. And he was in complete surrender. And it's, it is... It's such a beautiful story, yet such a hard story because we know that God is faithful and God is sovereign and even to the death, God still used this for his glory and for our good because now we can be believers. Like the Christian faith literally started in one town. Think like, um, I don't know, like a mountain town, Breckenridge, say like that's where the Christian faith started. And then it had to spread some way, somewhere, somehow. And now to the ends of the earth, like we have missionaries who are able, just like my sister, I don't know if she's in here, she gets to go to Hawaii next month. And she gets to do a training and then they're gonna do outreach and that's how people are getting to know the word of the Lord. They're going out to the ends of the earth and we are still fulfilling that commandment today. Isn't that so cool? I think it's beautiful. I think it's such a cool story. But guys, at the end of the day, like, why does all of this matter? Like, why? What's the point of it? Because if God's sovereign, if he can do all things, why, does, why do we need to be in complete surrender? Why do we have to suffer? And I think it's okay to even wrestle with those questions. Pastor Victor was talking about that. Like, let's, let's talk about it. 
Like, why is there suffering? And I think God, like, God wants us to know him more intimately. Like, God doesn't need us. I know it's a little bit of a surprise. The band can come back up. Um, it's, a little, it's a little weird to me to even think about that. Like, God doesn't need me, but he chose me and he's using me. Why? For his glory and for my good. And he can, he, oh guys, listen, like he's using you too. Like there was a man who knew God was so worthy that he would die to proclaim the name of Jesus. Are you guys willing to do that in your schools? And I know you're not gonna die, but like really think about like when something hard happens, when you're in the quiet place, when you're in the presence of the Lord, like what is that like? Are you, do you have hope? that God is with us? Do you have hope that God is for you, that God is using you, that he chose you to use you to spread his good news? Because not everyone gets to sit in this room. Not everyone gets to do this thing called church. But now we have the the honor to carry this good news with us. And I can even, I just, oh man, I want you guys to know this so bad, but God is not asking you, you to do anything his son hasn't already done. And we can see that with the cross. Like look up behind me and that cross does not have anyone on it. And there's a reason why. It's because Jesus, who sat at the right hand of the Father, he knew who God was, it was his Father, and yet God said, I need you to go down to this earth. And I need you to become a man, I need you to be tempted, I need you to suffer. And I need you to proclaim my name and fulfill this law so that they may know me more intimately. Where before, before Jesus, it was like people had to go to a temple, to a priest, talk to someone who would then talk to God, who would then talk to someone and then talk back to you. Like it was this whole process. And you had to live doing X, Y, and Z. Like you couldn't eat on these days. You couldn't work on these, you couldn't wear it. There was just so many rules. And now we have the opportunity to have a direct line with God. Because he loves us because he is to be glorified. I hope you guys can wrestle with these questions like why? I hope you can go to scripture and you can see that these whys are right here in the word of the Lord. And the Holy Spirit will guide you in all wisdom and understanding. I've even seen it in my life where a lot of you know that my brother took his life two and a half years ago. And I, you have like this choice almost, like this moment where you're like, I could go crazy right now because this is a terrible thing. You get a phone call from your dad saying your brother took his life. Like that is earth shattering news. Your life is flipped upside down and you have a choice. You, you, you could be that kid. just goes off the rails. Or you could have a choice and you say, I have hope in Jesus Christ because God suffered. His son, Jesus Christ suffered for me. He loves me. And I can confidently stand up here and say that I choose God and I choose to believe that though my brother did not make a good decision and it was a permanent decision, that God is still a sovereign God and he works all things, all everything. The death of 
your brother for his glory and my good. Does that make sense? It's not first my good. It's not like, Catherine, you get a million things. Congratulations, you made it through the next level of life. It's, Catherine, this was for my glory so that people may know me. And every single day since Johnny passed away, I've asked God, would you use his story? I remember that being the first prayer. God, you better use this. You better use the death of my brother for your glory. So what we see is we put our hope in Jesus. We put our hope in the cross because Jesus defeated sin and death. He left it in the grave. Does that make sense? I want you guys to like feel that. Like Stephen is getting stoned, like he's, rocks are getting thrown at him because he believed in a God who was worthy of it all. Worthy, like, like our focus sometimes is on our grades. Our focus is on the argument we had with our dad last night. Our focus is on what is my birthday party gonna be like? Or man, I didn't get that new car when I turned 18. I'm sorry. But there are more important things. And that is Jesus Christ. And I don't wanna say that lightly. I'm not like this ah, person where I'm like, ah. Um, but I, I need you guys to know this. And I want you to wrestle with those hard questions when life gets hard, because it will. And honestly, that is the only thing we're promised. We're really only promised trials and tribulations. But we have a hope in a God who will always be there with us, for us, holding our faces, saying, look at me. Jake, look at me. Sophia, look at me. Lily, look at me like I am with you and I am for you. Brenna, look at me. Look at me. God is like, I will take your hand and I will walk you through life together and we will make it out on the other side. But do people know that you know me? Do people know the name of Jesus Christ around you? And I challenge you this week even. God, who are those people that need to know the love of God? I challenge you, the next time something hard happens, do I go to the foot of the cross or do I go to drinking? Do I go to pornography for that comfort? Do I go to my boyfriend or my girlfriend for comfort? Where are you seeking hope? Where are you seeking peace? And I challenge you to go to the foot of the cross because God will meet you there. God will meet you there. So we're gonna, we're gonna go into this worship response where we're singing, I will remember. I want you guys to ask the Lord like, God, who are you in my life? God, where have you been in my life? And what can I do to give you my all, to believe God that you are sovereign over it all? So you guys could just stand I know that's a heavy message, but if you could just stand and just really press in to this worship song. Really believe that God is walking hand in hand with you right now, and he is here, and he will answer your questions, and he will restore hope, and he will restore peace. I believe that God is with you, and that he is for you, and that no weapon formed against you will prosper. Amen? All right, let's worship.
Thanks again for listening to this message from New Life Student Ministries. If you want to keep up with what's happening with us, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at NL Student Ministries.